the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you as we are each and every day from 3 to 5. It's a great day outside, and thank you for joining us today. We take the issues of the day and look at them from a Christian perspective on our show. You know, the abortion debate in this year's election cycle is much different than we've ever seen it, and that's because this is the first time we've had a presidential election since the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Several people, as you've been noticing, if you've been paying attention, have made comments on both sides of the aisle that have been controversial within their parties. Republicans are debating the number of weeks where it might be correct for any possible federal abortion ban, six weeks, 15 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is. Democrats, however, are almost universally refusing to say if there should be any number of weeks or any restrictions whatsoever, which is a very interesting thing. Like, why not say after the second trimester or nine months or nine, you know, or eight months and a half? What you won't, there's refusing to put any date on it. What I want to talk about today is why this is happening and to give you a little bit of insight. Listen to this. This is an example from the Democratic side. This is Vice President Kamala Harris. She was on Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan this weekend. Listen to this exchange between the two where Margaret Brennan is trying to get her to say anything about when abortion should be limited, and Kamala Harris refuses to do that. What is it that you believe? I mean, what week of pregnancy should abortion access be cut off? We need to restore the protections of Roe versus Wade. Which We're was, not trying to do something new. Well, that There's, was nebulous because it was about viability, which could be anywhere between 20 to 24 weeks. And but it, so no, 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 no. Let, let's let me, let me be very clear. the Women's Health Protection Act that let the White me be, House also Let me be endorsed. very clear. From day one, the president has been clear. I have been clear. We need to put back the protections that are in Roe v. Wade into law. Since the Supreme Court took it, Congress has the power and ability to pass legislation to put those protections back in law, and Joe Biden will sign that bill. So that is what we want. But does it need to be specific in terms of defining and where that guarantee goes up to and where it does not? At which week of pregnancy? We need to put back in place the protections of Roe versus Wade. You we know are why not, I'm asking you this I, question, but, though. Because we're not trying to, but we're not trying to do anything that did not exist before June of last year. Now, that interview goes on and on where Kamala Harris refuses to put any limit. And you'll hear the same kind of discussion from Democrats across the country on this. And the thing is, is that Roe versus Wade had some restrictions for third trimester abortions, and the trimester system was in there. And many states had rules, including California, had rules about viability and stuff. So the number of weeks is not irrelevant to any legislation or any ideas that get passed. And another example is R.F. Kennedy Jr., Robert Kennedy Jr., he didn't get the memo that he wasn't supposed to say anything. Listen to this on MSNBC. This is from last August. I believe that 
a decision to abort a child should be up to the women during the first three months of life. So you would cap it at 15 weeks? Yes. Or 21 yes. weeks? Yeah, three months. So three months. You would sign a federal cap on that? See, I think that he gave his actual opinion there, but what happened is uh, he got a lot of memos and a lot of pushback, and he came out later and reversed course. What is really going on here, and how do we refocus on this serious issue about life, and how do we as voters and believers really understand what's going on right now in the issue of life beyond all of the noise. With me to talk about this is Evie Osment. She is the Vice President of Communications at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, which is, I believe, formerly Susan B. Anthony, the Susan B. Anthony list. I think we changed that a little while ago. You can tell me if I'm wrong. Evie, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, and I really appreciate that. I don't know about you, Scott, but that Kamala Harris answer was anything but clear in my opinion. Well, she kept saying, I am being clear. I am being precise. And Brennan, if you watch the whole thing, she keeps going after, which I give her some credit for because you don't see this very often where somebody will go after particularly a Democratic candidate and ask them for specifics. And uh, she did. And then Kamala would never say, she would never put any limit on it. Not, Not a day, not a week, nothing. You're right. I mean, and that might be in part why she has a hard time answering that question, because they rarely, if ever, get pressed on what their actual convictions or where they stand on the issue of abortion is. I'll tell you what, a few months ago, I started really noticing this, that uh, Democrats were not listing a single limit that they would put on abortion. And so I really started to dig in and see, okay, I'm in search now. Is there a single Democrat who will list a week in which they would set a limit or a boundary? I am in search. I have, <laughs> I'm really coming up empty here. You played RFK Jr. Now I've been listening to a few videos and I did know that he took that stance. So for me, it was really interesting to see how he said what he really believed multiple times. And then overnight, we saw a complete 180 where you could tell his consultants got to him and said, you better toe the party line. You better change what you're saying on this. And you better go back to not giving a single limit that you would support on abortion. You know, I've done the same thing. He's the only one that I've heard give a date and then he had to retract it. But I think that he said the first time what he actually believes. And I think what he believes is a lot more in tune with where actually a lot of regular people Democrats would be. I think most people think there should be limits. I think most people would find a a place. uh, Now, I'm pro-life. I I think that we need to be talking about constitutional rights for the unborn child and everything. But if you're just going to deal with this and, and where Americans are in general, I think that most people would agree that there should be restrictions. Why? Why from the Democratic side? Why won't they go there? Well, you're getting to the heart of the matter, which is exactly why they won't say that they will have any uh, limits. They need a poll, just like you and I. I mean, I can tell you right now, I've been looking at poll after poll, and it shows that seven in 10 Americans support significant abortion limits between about 12 to 15 weeks. So right around the first trimester, they do not want abortion after that. But it is interesting that the Democrat Party has really been captured by the louder voices um, and really just giving in to, you know, the NARALs and Planned Parenthoods that are multi-million dollar donors to their party that say openly, and and they're not shy about it, Scott, they openly say no restrictions, no limits. It needs to be between a woman 
and her doctor, that's the talking point, and there should be zero restrictions on it at all. You know, I've been tracking this for a while, and for whatever reason, the Democrats have gone from safe, legal, and rare to no restrictions at all. And I, and you're right. When I say Democrats, I'm talking about politicians. I don't think it's true of all the voters. Like you just said, the polling data shows that. So what's the reason? Is it is it money? Is it political money? What is the reason? Why are these groups? It seems to me it'd be very easy to say, well, uh, scientific viability, 24 weeks. I mean, that would that would in, that would keep legal almost every abortion that actually happens anyway. So what's the deal? Well, I I think it's really interesting, too, when you're talking about viability or even Roe. I mean, I'm reading stuff uh, from over the last year coming out from these pro-abortion groups that says, no, viability should never be the be the standard. We don't want that. That's antiquated. Roe never went far enough. We don't want that. And so what you're seeing is watch their actions with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. They may be mum and not want to say a limit, but also look at what they're pushing forward, which is the Women's Health Protection Act, the so-called, which goes further than Roe. It says viability in it, but it's undefined. It doesn't have any limits whatsoever. It doesn't even list a single week in which they would limit abortion at all. And the other thing that it does, um, it also says that abortion providers get to decide, the ones who directly profit, decide when the abortion happens. So this is the Women's Health Protection Act. You briefly heard in the Kamala Harris clip uh, that being mentioned. This is what the administration is pushing, and they would like to get it through the Congress. This is something that is uh, extraordinary. It does something very different. It's not at all what Roe was. It's something else. So when they say we just want to bring back Roe, that's not true, is it? No, it's not true. I mean – you know, let's let's not get confused. Roe also allowed for late term abortions. Right. It also talked about the abortionist making the decision. But in Roe, there was an opinion that said that listed a specific set of weeks. This does not list any particular weeks. Now we have just recently a new state added on. We have seven states that have zero limits on abortion. I know it's hard to believe, but this is really happening. Look into it. There's maps from both the pro-life side that show it and the pro-abortion side that show the limits. You can see seven states in America right now and where I am in D.C. that have zero limits abortions for any reason up to all nine months. All nine months. And, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, I think what's happened, too, is that this is forcing people to actually put into practice words that when Roe goes away, both on the right and the left, people have to now say, OK, what do I really believe about this? There are some victories on the other side, on the pro-life side. There have been a lot of victories throughout the country. Tell us about those. There have. And, and we're so thankful that right now, half the country 25 states have put pro-life protections in place. That means that under 12 weeks, uh, babies are being protected um, after that time period. And also another thing that you'll never hear about from corporate media are the hundreds of millions of dollars that these states have put in place to serve moms, to serve moms with unplanned pregnancies, to make sure that they are getting the support, the love, the help that they need and giving them life. For, their, for them and their kids. When the state gives those kinds of benefits, what's an example of benefits for, uh, for moms in uh, crisis or unwanted pregnancies? What does the state do? How does, uh, how does that look? Well, a lot of it's going through the Pregnancy Resource Center, Scott, and, and 
people um, should really connect because there's thousands of pregnancy resource centers across the country. I urge your listeners, viewers to really reach out and see the good work. These centers are staying with moms for years. They don't just bring them in and send them out. They are really connecting and walking alongside her as she chooses to keep her child, as she raises her child and give her the financial and physical resources that she needs. I mean, some really great examples of this are moms who find out that they're pregnant in college and really helping them find a plan to stay in college to help them with the housing, all kinds of things. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show, and my guest is Evie Osmond. She's the Vice President of Communications at the, at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. And we're talking about the current political conversation about abortion and how it's different now in a post-Roe world. You know, on the Republican side, there's a lot of arguing about weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks, you know, 15 weeks. And one of the thoughts that I have and that many people have been concerned about is when we get into that discussion, there's certainly a practicality of it. We need to you know, deal with the practical necessity of what the law is going to say. But there is something much deeper about life. And, you know, how do we be careful to not lose the idea of this is a life, not merely just a health care issue? Yeah. One of the things that I think is a major misnomer, and studies show this, is that women who are post-abortive, who've had an abortion, The major reason they cite for getting that abortion is because they didn't have the emotional or financial support that they needed at the time to keep their kid. They either felt pressure of some sort or it just was inconsistent with their values and they didn't necessarily want one. So that's where we have a real opportunity to come alongside her and to help her. Scott, just to share my personal story, I um, had two unplanned pregnancies by the age of 22. Hmm. And it was because of those pregnancy resource centers that helped me that I was able to have an open adoption with my son, who's now turning 18 this year, um, and my daughter, um, who I was able to you know, raise, and she's with me. And, and it's wonderful. It's a beautiful thing. And that is an opportunity for all of us. So I want everyone to know, I think the narrative in the media is just so twisted in which it's that the woman just doesn't want her child at all. No, In fact, it's the opposite. The majority of us want to be able to keep our children. We want that support. And the really interesting thing about that is the abortion isn't going to change the core problems or the core issues that led her to feel like she was in a bind and and needed to get that. I mean, if she's in an abusive relationship, that abortion isn't going to change the abuser. If she's in a relationship where she needs emotional support, that abortion isn't going to give her emotional support or financial support. There are so many things that we can do right now in this country to help her. And this is an opportunity that we can all come together. You know, I thank you for, for sharing that. And I think you're right that the these crisis pregnancy centers have been under attack as well, as if all they do is prevent the abortion, but they don't give any help or support. And uh, that's obviously not the case. You mentioned that uh, you had a open adoption. That means that you were able to know your child uh, as they grew up in an adoptive family. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, they sent photos. I was able to see his development. I was able to understand the family. I was able to make a plan um, and choose the family, you yeah. know, and the life that I wanted to give my son. 
I've known people who've gone through that and they wanted to have an abortion until they found out that was actually an option. And I think that's something else that people should understand. There's a lot of options and there's a lot of care available. And this is why we need to support our uh, pregnancy centers. Uh, our churches do and individuals do. It matters a lot. And in a state like California or where you're at in Washington, D.C., the, the laws are not going to go pro-life anytime soon, if at all. But we can still be pro-life and very active in this area. Yeah, that is such a great point. And I know that pregnancy resource centers, they really value the support. They value the help. Um, And I have to say, since Dobbs, since the Dobbs decision over the last year, we've really seen them come under assault. Um, I think the last uh, projection that I saw was that there's been nearly 90 attacks over the last year on pregnancy resource centers. And I know the FBI director, Christopher Ray said um, unequivocally that the majority of the attacks that he's seen are overwhelmingly um, on the pro-life organizations out there. That's right. He testified to that recently. So earlier we talked about the Women's Health Protection Act. Where is that in the legislative process? Is that something that is going to move through? uh, I imagine it's going through the Senate since the Democrats have control. Well, where is it? Do you know where it is in the process? Well, what they're doing really, Scott, is they're continuing to I mean, they've already proposed it multiple times. Um, so we can just expect any time now for it to be reproposed again and it'll come back. And that's why it is so important that we are involved and really voting for, you know, pro-life uh, politicians and that we're really voting our values. That matters a lot. And everybody, you know, we, we say this all the time, but we need to get ready here in California. Your ballot gets mailed in February, just uh, about four months away. Uh, you're going to the voting begins and the primaries matter maybe even more than the general and sometimes because you get to pick the candidate who's going to be on there in the general general and uh you know you can find out what your candidates believe about this and i would ask you to to search it out and to ask them go to their websites call their offices and do all of that evie tell us about uh the place that you uh work at uh, susan b anthony pro-life uh what is your organization about people can find it at sbaprolife.org Absolutely. Well, I work at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, and we really believe in making sure that we build a culture of life in America. And one of the best ways to do that is through politics. I, You know, I, I'm a Christian. I know you are as well. I think one of the things that I've seen, and it really woke me up to joining this organization, um, and I'll just give a quick little anecdote here. I had, um, I grew up as a missionary kid in Taiwan, so right next to China. Um, and uh, right around when the Dobbs decision came down, I had a lot of my missionary friends over um, and we hosted them at, at my house and we're sitting there, just a bunch of missionary kids. We were all raised the same way um, and we're talking about this and the Dobbs decision comes down. And I thought this would be a moment for rejoicing. I thought it would be a moment for connection. And instead, everyone was quiet. Hmm. No one wanted to talk about it. No one wanted to celebrate it. They were scared. And I heard whispering and really what it said to me after talking to you know them individually about, you know, why did that happen like that? They said, well, it's politics. You know, it's politics. We don't want to talk about that. So I just think as Christians, we've really put pro-life into the politics box and we need to bring it back into our values. We need to make sure that we're talking about it. I, I'll give you one more thing. I was talking to a, a former Planned Parenthood staffer. She told me that she would sit in church every Sunday and her past, no one ever spoke to them about pro-life, abortion, nothing. She said there was never any conviction on it. And so I just think that we really need to make sure that we are bringing this back as something that's important to us, that we're fighting for, which is life. And as a mom who's been through it, 
I know that the women need that support. Yes, they do. It's very, very real. And in in every one of our congregations, people are going through this. And it shouldn't be something that is quiet or something that we feel like we can't talk about or something that's just political. And I think you're right, is that when we politicize things too much, that's what I was getting at, too, with the the, the debate about how many weeks. we got to be careful that we don't take the soul out of what this issue is about life. And that is really, really excellent advice. So the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America group helps with that? Yeah, absolutely. We are really seeing the fight. And and let me explain the why behind that. What we are seeing is every state in America right now is really, really grappling with with the decision of, of how can they serve moms and save babies? And how can we do it today? How can we make it happen now um, with the with the different states? But also, unfortunately, we're seeing the Democrats through the WHPA really pushing to try and nationalize abortion. Let me tell you, if that gets passed, that means they strip almost all of the protective pro-life laws that are put in in each state. I mean, that's completely gone. The other thing that we're seeing, too, is, and a lot of people don't realize this, from COVID-19, Biden had put in a mail-order abortion pill policy, and he completely made it permanent law now. So now you're mailing abortion pills in the mail. I mean, we've been looking at different abortion pill mailers, and they say, all 50 states, we're going to do it. We're going to send it to you. And the other thing that people don't, realize is it's parental consent laws that means your child can get an abortion and you don't as a parent have to even know about it uh, that's why we need to be involved with this so the the right website for susan b anthony pro-life is sbaprolife.org is that correct that is correct and you're right scott that's why we are are really advocating and trying to help people understand that you know, no matter no matter what different states are going to really um set their limits, but we really believe that we should not accept the Democrat premise of up to birth of all nine months. And that's why we're advocating for at least a national standard of when a child can feel the pain of that abortion in the womb, that there should absolutely not be any any abortion allowed when the child can feel that pain. All right. Uh, Evie Osment from uh, Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. Evie, thank you for being with us on the Pastor Scott Show today. Thank you for what you do and uh, for your story and uh, for your kids. We just uh, appreciate you very much. Thank you so much. I'm really appreciative to you and your audience. Thank you. All right. God bless. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back as the Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. We well, are saying it wasn't no, crafted but, into law. And that's why I'm asking you for the specifics there because Republicans say the lack of a precise date in cutting it off. You know this. They say that allows Democrats to perform abortions up until, you know, birth. Which is ridiculous. Which is statistically which is, not accurate. And, and it's ridiculous. And it's a that. mischaracterization so, of the point. No, the point but, is, but the do point you need is to be we more precise. To, I am being precise. We need to put into law the protections of Roe versus Wade. And that is about going back to where we were before the Dobbs decision. 
That is Vice President Kamala Harris, and uh, she was on Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, and uh, it became kind of a contentious conversation between the two of them because Margaret Brennan kept saying, you need to you know, give us an idea of how many weeks you might restrict abortions, and Kamala Harris was saying, well, we're not going, I'm not going to give you that. We want to take it back to Roe, but Roe even had some restrictions in it, and we've been talking about this subject and how it's going to be a different conversation in this presidential debate on both sides, on the Republican side and the Democratic side. We'll talk about some comments that uh, President Trump made in just a minute uh, about this. A question I have is, is this a hard subject to talk about? You know, why? I think we're going to see how hard it is with our politicians. I think it was easy in the sense politically when there was no change on the horizon, right? In a way, it's always hard to talk about. But when there's not actual decisions to be made, I've always noticed that in the politics of abortion up until last year, you know, people say I'm pro-life or I'm pro-choice or it becomes an issue for every political uh, office, even if it's not really an issue for that person. But people could commit to one thing or another, but it didn't mean anything until the Supreme Court acted. Now it means a lot. And I think even for Christians and believers, we have a hard time talking about it. I think that's because it's, it is the most incredibly serious thing uh, that is happening in our country uh, morally. What do you think about this? Number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Let me go to the phones here. Barbara in Covina, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hello. I'm so glad to get through and speak with you. I really enjoy your program. And I've got you on my speed dial, even though I don't pester you that often. Well, I appreciate I, that. I used to I used to encourage people to put us on the speed dial. Put the Pastor Scott show on your 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 phone. That way, you can just say "Hey Siri" or "Hey Alexa" or whatever. And now I just activated everybody's yeah. machines. I got in trouble for that a while ago. But thank well, you for I, doing that, Barbara. I have two opinions. Yeah. On on your subject, I am pro life. I am Christian, and I'm going on seventy years old. So, in saying that, I want to say that when I was a teenager, which is another story altogether, I became uh, pregnant at 14. I was raped. Hmm. And so, I found out I was pregnant when I was in junior high in the summertime. And so, instantly, the school uh, starts taking me down this path for abortion. And uh, I, God was with me because I believe that young people, well, it doesn't even matter your age. People are very impressionable and they take advice from people who they think have the right information. And there's two sides to this story. And um, of course, pro-life is my opinion is the right side, but there's two sides to this story. And depending on what path you're going down, you might be influenced to be making the wrong choice. Mm. And so with me, they first wanted to get me abortion. And I just, my attitude at the time, I remember it so well. I was very strong. Even though I was raped, I'm like, God, give me this child. It is my blessing and that I should keep her. And, and I did. And, and, um, um, I, I never had any regrets of that. And um, uh, later on in life, my son and future daughter-in-law, they got involved with pro-life program. Mm-hmm. And 
I was very disgusted with that program. You didn't like the okay. Go ahead. They were they were taking young people, and I went over and witnessed this. They were taking young pregnant girls into this um, place where they were um, um, showing them on TV screen. Um, how they're killing their baby. It was very graphic. So very graphic photos and stuff. What would that have done, you know, if that were done with you when you were 14 and in that situation, would you, how would you have responded? Have you thought about that? Well, I was so pro-life that I did not want an abortion at all. Yeah. But if I had seen that, I would have been angry. Mm. Not at anything that's happened to me, but what are you doing of filling this information to these young, impressionable girls. The people that I know who did get an abortion, their lifetime sentence of regret, always uh, thinking about their birthdays and what it could have done or should have done. Now, in in saying that, like I said, I am pro-life, but I think, and the church is a great place to start, but um, I think that people in crisis need to be guided gently, not graphically, but they need to be guided gently on what their options are. And like I heard the woman speaking about there's option, like if you're in college, there's uh, child care, and there's all kinds of opportunities to keep your child and not have an abortion. Yeah. They need to get that information yeah. versus the graphic stuff. Barbara, I and, found that to be more effective in helping people, helping women choose not to have an abortion, is the help, the practical help. Yeah. Uh, yes. And yes. to get through the fear and the condemnation, and there's so much going on. And, in, you know, in your case, Barbara, you're one of those cases that I know a lot of people listening found themselves in a similar scenario and maybe made different decisions, and it's super hard you know, most abortions are not for people who are that young or because of a rape or an incest. They're they're unplanned pregnancies, but with, with planned activity that led to that pregnancy, right? Um, right. Well, I appreciate... But then, but then with, with those people that you're talking about, um, I, I think that they should still be counsel and let them know... Um, how many people are waiting for babies? They can give the baby up for adoption. or I mean, mm. we really, really have to protect the unborn because if we don't speak up for them, nobody will. Yeah. And um, uh, we have became a nation of uh, where if, if somebody says it's okay and it's okay long enough, the, the society just agrees and goes along with it. Yeah. And I think the vice president is not being clear. She keeps talking about Roe versus Wade, but I think her focus on that is no limits and that the woman's right to her body is the focus. Yeah. And that's where and a lot of the pressure is. Hey, Barbara, I appreciate your call. I want to be able to I move on, but I, I appreciate you, and I, I'm so grateful for you and your story. Thank you for sharing that with us today on the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, it matters, and I'm sure that you've encouraged, you know, a lot of people in this. And, and, you know, I asked at the beginning of the segment, is this a hard subject to talk about? And it is. 
And when it becomes real in our world, the conversation changes, too. It's easier to have a political conversation and a debate like we're seeing on the national stage now. But it is harder when it's you, and it's harder when you find yourself in that role. I know many of you have experienced that. A lot of dads have been in that position also where suddenly their girlfriend is pregnant. And, uh, you know, not suddenly. They know how that occurred. And a decision is made that's out of their hands with that. You know, as we are listening to this, one of the points that I want to make here, and we're, we're hearing this different conversation on both sides. This is what uh, President Trump had to say, and this has caused him some controversy uh, a little bit because of sort of just the, the policy angle. He was um, interviewed on uh, another Sunday morning show last weekend. Mr. President, I want to give voters who are going to be weighing in on this election yeah. a very clear sense of where I think they'll, stand I on think this. they're all going to like me. I think both sides are going to like me. Let, let me what, but what's let Mr. going President, to have to Mr. happen President, is you're going to have to... Kristen, you're asking me a question. What's going to happen is you're going to come up with a number of weeks or months. You're going to come up with a number that's going to make people happy. Because 92% of the Democrats don't want to see abortion after a certain period of time. If a federal ban landed on your desk if you were reelected, would you sign it at 15? Are you talking about a complete ban? A ban at 15 weeks. Well, people, people are starting to think of 15 weeks. That seems to be a number that people are talking about right now. Would you sign that? Uh, uh, I, would, I would sit down with both sides and I'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years. Uh, I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't. I mean, DeSantis is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Would you support that? You think I, that I goes think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. That was Donald Trump and on Sunday, and he's received a lot of mixed reviews on what he said there. And a lot of it is the comment at the end where he talked about Ron, uh, Ron DeSantis, who he calls Ron DeSanctimonious. It's another nickname that I think probably worked for him uh, one way or the other, but he – he said he made a terrible decision because in Florida it was a six-week ban. When you watch the whole thing in context, it's about nine minutes. He's very much talking not about the moral issue of abortion, but the practical issue of what is happening in the government right now with how many weeks, you know, it should if the federal government is involved, you know, how many weeks should you allow abortion? Six weeks, 12 weeks, 15 weeks. On the Republican side of this conversation, the debate is about that and how many weeks is appropriate. What I'm talking about and what I want us to listen to carefully is to be careful about losing the doctrine of life in all of this. With practical decisions, I think people listening, you might have different opinions on what we should do here, but we should not lose sight of the fact that we're not just we're not talking about health care. We're talking about that's the misnomer, right? That we're talking about the life of a child and when does that life begin? And when do constitutional rights get applied to that child? And when does the actual rights of a human being bestowed on that child by God begin? Right? And that's kind of the doctrine. That is the thing that we have to to get right. There might be reasons. You know, if I had a, a bill on my desk to sign and it was limiting somehow and I thought that's the best we can get, I'd sign it. That doesn't mean that I think it's enough, right? But 
Donald Trump was saying, I think we're going to find kind of a happy medium, like a consensus on this issue. And uh, he could be right about that politically, that the polls would say most people do agree that there should be limits. Most of them are right about the first trimester. That's what R.F. Kennedy Jr. said, as we had the last segment before he got uh, corrected uh, by his party. But what I want to know is, and what I want to stress for all of us, is why it's important for us to keep the doctrine of life in play. It's so much bigger even than just abortion because we have a very violent culture that is in so many ways anti-life beyond even this issue, and we lose track of the preciousness of human life when we talk about it in just medical terms or in legal terms. And I think there's some risk of that even from the pro-life side as the pro-life side sees victories with uh, legislation, that we have to not lose sight of the fact that it's the heart that matters, that the doctrine matters, that if we believe that life begins at conception, therefore we believe that rights do as well. And we can't lose that even in the midst of whatever political debate we're going to have. I got to take a break. We'll take your calls here, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I see your call, BJ, and others. I'll get to your calls as the Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. You can follow us, by the way, on social media. Just go to at Pastor Scott Show. Look for, look for us at Pastor Scott Show. You can watch us now at kkla.com as well. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. I believe that a decision to abort a child should be up to the women during the first three months of life. So you would cap it at 15 weeks? Yes. Or 21 weeks? Yeah, three months. So three months. You would sign a federal cap on that? Yes, I would. That is Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. being asked about when he would cap abortion rights. He says uh, 15 weeks or the first trimester. I think I think that's really his opinion. But then later he backed off of it because that went against everything on the party line on the Democratic side. And he got hit pretty hard, I guess, by the internals on that. And what you're seeing on the left is no commitment to any restrictions on the right. You're seeing arguments about six weeks, you know, 12 weeks, 15 weeks. Donald Trump got in some trouble for being very practical about that in his opinion. But I think both sides are losing the heart. I think RFK was was right there with the heart a little bit because he probably shared what he believes and I think where most Americans are. But what I've been saying here is I think that the the subject of abortion in the public conversation has changed because Roe is not part of it. The presidential election and that subject will be different than most of us have seen in our lifetime, probably ever because of that, because there's actual decisions to be made. But as believers and as people who live in California, where, by the way, there's not going to be any change. We're not going to see this state anytime soon probably move, you know, to the more conservative position on this subject. However, all of us are called to minister to the people that God has placed in our life. We all have a a pro-life way to act regardless of what the, the laws are. And uh, I want to get your thoughts about that, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Uh, BJ in Inglewood, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, how are you today? I'm good, BJ. How are you? You know, I love you, brother. Thank you. I love you too, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. 
What's on your mind the here? The Baldwin brothers, you're looking like more like one of the Baldwin brothers on your profile now. I look like one of the Baldwin brothers. Are you watching it on KKLA.com? No, no, uh, no. I'm, I look at your profile like once a month. I just check out your profile on, on Wikipedia. They have different pictures of you up. You know, I'm not sure. Did you call once again about this? I'm not sure that's me because I can't yeah, find it. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, you look like the Bing. Remember I told you that? I said I, you, you, they had a good comedy spot looking for And you look like a great comedian. I know you're funny because that's why I turn you on. I said, I'm going to laugh at Scott. Scott's going to say something funny. Okay. Every can you day. do me? Can you send me that link? You can email me at pastorscott at kkla.com. I want to see what that link because I, I looked it up last time. I couldn't find it. I'm going to send you the spot. Guess what? I was in Kennedy's um, kitchen. I got a picture of me with me and Robert Kennedy, and you just played him. So oh, you we're did. in tune. Did you go see him uh, a few? Uh, what was the last week he was in town? Yeah, yeah. I was. I was. I have a friend that has a connection with him. We took some kids over, and he swam with him at the pool and everything. No kidding. Oh, well, he's you know, tell him, uh, tell him he's invited to come on our show sometime. All candidates, Great. by the way, are invited. And if they and don't come, what? we're going to do an AI version of them. I'm just kidding about that last part. You and I are connected. Guess what, Scott? I'm going to push that. Okay. All right. We're ready. Oh, so, let, me tell, let me tell you this. The thing I'm trying to understand, Scott, yeah. why are they letting so many people in this country illegal and they're killing young Americans? You mean with respect to the, the border issues and how it relates to abortion? Because we're talking about abortion. Uh, is yeah, that what you mean? I'm talking about both of them. I'm talking about both of them. Why would, yeah. why would you let all these people into the country and you're killing our children? You know, that's a, it's a great question, and that's kind of the heart that I'm looking at here, BJ, in this conversation, is that the heart of this issue is not just the legalities of it. The heart of the border issue isn't just the legalities of it, because there's, there's people— and you are you're showing the inconsistencies that we have when we don't have a doctrine of life meaning if life is precious it begins at conception or if you have a doctor you know a doctrine about a country that's ruled by laws and governed by laws you have to keep those laws you can't make exceptions you can change the laws but if you just decide not to keep them like we do with the the border you're going to have chaos and likewise if you do not have a doctrine about when life begins you're also going to have chaos. And I think in these matters, this is why this is important. We talk often about having a culture of life. And that is one where, BJ, we we lift up what a human being is, that we're made in the image of God. We're all fallen. We all need a Savior. And, you know, the place for Christians, you know, I totally believe we need to be in the conversation, in the marketplace offering truth, but we're not going to be effective with that if we don't have a clear doctrinal understanding of what we mean about life and what we believe about human rights or what we believe even about uh, laws and the rights of government. All those things are, are connected, and if we don't have a clear understanding of that or we're not consistent, things fall apart. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so you can have the, the inconsistency of all of it and it, all of these things beget, become related once you don't have a clear doctrine of who, what people are. Oh, remember Ken Clement prophesied in 2004 that the Roe versus Wade was going to be overturned in the future. There were lots of people uh, who, who said that. You know, the thing is, it was bad. it was bad decision from a legal standpoint. I mean, even uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, former Supreme Court justice, she even acknowledged it was a bad decision legally and uh, acknowledged that this would be changed. 
Uh, hey, BJ, send me that link. I would appreciate that. Uh, okay, I'm going to hook you up with Robert Kennedy. So I'm gonna well, that would be even better. But in the meantime, just send me a link with okay. uh, that that Wikipedia page that you think is me, because I'm wondering if it's not me or for some reason I can't find it. So uh, Pastor okay. Scott at KKLA.com. Thank you, BJ, for, for doing that. 888-528-2557. Let me tell you this story, just to get to the, the heart of it. You know, as a pastor, I've dealt with this issue a lot with people in a lot of different scenarios. And one is that happened one time, this college student came to my office and he was very upset because his girlfriend was going to get an abortion and was going to uh, abort his child, right? And she had made this decision. Well, we were in San Diego and she was here in LA. She went to Loyola Marymount and uh, he went to San Diego State. And we had a long conversation and he came into my office and he had this profound realization. He said, you know, now I understand why the Bible reserves sex for marriage. And in his understanding of it, it's because the pain that he was going through in this, the what it had done to his life to him emotionally and spiritually, and what it had done to his girlfriend, too, in that regard, it was just upending their whole lives. And she was going to make this decision. And, you know, he said, what do we do? And I said, well, she she's going today. That's what he said, that she's already left. And that's why he came to my office. And I said, well, let's pray about it. So we did. And I want to encourage you to pray. And I'm going to tell you something, this answer to prayer. I'll never forget this. So we prayed, and what we prayed specifically was that she would change her mind, that the Lord would convict her of this and that would provide help and other things. And I think what she had told him is that she didn't want to get married to him, and there was there was a whole lot of stuff, right, with that that's common. Well, we prayed. And then he stayed in my office, and he goes, well, what do we do now? And I said, well, you know, practically speaking, I'm not sure what to do now, except I said, you know, he said, well, how do we know where she's going? I said, there's no way. There's a million places. He said, well, can we try one? And I said, okay. So I went online and I looked for pregnancy clinics that are near uh, Loyola Marymount University. It was totally random. And I said, okay, well, we'll call them, see if we can get through and leave a message. And I'm not kidding. The first one we called, she had just been there. It was a Christian crisis pregnancy center that she walked into in order to get advice and help on getting an abortion. And she had chosen life and she had just walked out of there. And the person I called started crying and saying, she just left us and we are going to help her. And she has decided to keep the baby. She wanted to keep the baby. And I, I'll never forget that. I got chills just telling the story, right? That answer to this young man's prayer. And we cried. And the thing is that I'm, the reason I'm telling you this is that nothing is ever hopeless and you've got to begin with prayer and God is going to answer prayers differently and people are going to be responsible for their choices, but don't decide that any issue in your life is hopeless and maybe all you can do is pray. And you know what? That sometimes is the best thing that you can do. And look how God answered that prayer. Uh, it, what are the odds too, that I would call of the many clinics, the one that she had actually walked into? Amazing. Uh, So don't give up on this. Keep the heart of this issue. It's about life. It's about a culture of life. It's about the the rights of the unborn and also the rights of the mom and the dads. There's so many aspects to this. Thank you for listening, everybody. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We are on every day from 3 to 5. Coming up in the next segment, my guest will be Dr. Ed Stetzer. He'll be with me. We'll talk about uh, evangelism and other things. You can watch us on kkla.com. Follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show, and you can get the podcast of this in any hour. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show and click follow or subscribe or whatever that button says on your favorite podcast app. We'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.